Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark, the podcast exploring rural innovation in Canada, both social and economic. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. This week, we take Rural Spark beyond our borders as we delve into rural innovation across Canada. One of the issues we want to explore is what kinds of partnerships are delivering economic results. Where are people and organizations coming together to transform struggling rural communities? Now, sometimes this happens in a very localized sense, but we also want to look at initiatives that aim to build a model that could renew many communities. National programs that seek to leverage communities' assets to bring about positive economic and social change. So from time to time, we'll explore models from other countries to share promising practices and lessons learned. And that's what brings us to Vermont and the Centre on Rural Innovation, or CORI. This is a national nonprofit working to build a network of rural innovation hubs across the United States. Something that really caught our eye about the Cory approach is their commitment to developing a scalable model for helping small-town entrepreneurs, as well as their interest in helping rural workers find remote work. So we're pleased to have founder and executive director Matt Dunn with us to share Cory's approach to rural innovation, their track record so far, and an ambitious vision for the future. Matt, to get started, can you take us back a little bit to the genesis of the Centre on uh, Rural Innovation? How and why did it come to be? So I grew up in uh, a rural part of the country, in rural Vermont, and went off to college and came back and was involved in uh, politics and tech and went off and was the head of AmeriCorps VISTA, which is the domestic Peace Corps here in the United States. And then uh, was at Dartmouth College and then uh, actually ended up working for uh, Google, uh, where I headed up uh, the community affairs program and uh, refused to move. Uh, so they let me actually create an office uh, in White River Junction, Vermont, and uh, run that division of the company from there. Uh, I then uh, tried to get back into politics in 2016, which, uh, as, as uh, you may have noticed, was an odd time for politics in the United States. Uh, it didn't work out. Uh, and as I was trying to figure out what the next chapter was, uh, I, I really uh, focused in on the concerns that I had heard uh, around the rural parts of my state and in other parts of the country of a widening opportunity gap. And so spent some time digging into uh, research. I had an appointment at the MIT Media Lab that uh, gave me the chance to dig into the, the statistics, but also do focus groups in uh, rural places across the country. And what we discovered was that there is a growing opportunity gap between rural and urban areas in the United States, the likes of which we have never seen before. Uh, and that has uh, created a division uh, that I think has been reflected in uh, the political landscape, uh, as well as the outlook on the future of our country. Uh, and it's a gap that can be uh, damaging on a variety of fronts, uh, including in urban places where all the economic activity is happening. It's driving up the uh, costs uh, across the board and creating a, a housing crisis, while in rural places, uh, folks are, are struggling uh, to see a future for their children. So we got the uh, Center on Rural Innovation off the ground to try to address uh, those issues uh, it, with one particular focus. And that was the idea that in the age of the internet, it should not matter where a 
community is based, uh, to be able to see a digital economy uh, thrive. Uh, so all of us here have had one foot uh, in rural and one foot in the centers of policy, finance, and technology. And we believe that there is a, a bridge to be made and an opportunity to grow uh, digital economy jobs and entrepreneurship uh, in small towns across America. Well, we love that idea because uh, we're on our team, we're all from small communities and we see lots of potential there. Do you think one of the real barriers, Matt, is more businesses, maybe particularly sizable businesses, coming to understand that this is a viable option for their workforce? Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, what we refer to as, as uh, uh, urban bias, uh, where there is a belief that the only place that uh, innovation and technology can happen is where there is enormous density of people. Uh, or the other belief is that the only technology that could take place would have to be connected to uh, traditionally uh, rural industries. I can't tell you how many people assume that what we're doing is something related to ag tech. Uh, and in fact, it's not at all. Uh, and you know, when I was uh, when I was first uh, in business, I, I was marketing director for a software company called Logic Associates, which was uh, founded and uh, headquartered in a, a, a rural town called Wilder, Vermont. Uh, and we grew it to over a hundred employees. Uh, and it, it, it was a business management system company for commercial printers. And it, the reason we were able to be successful was not because there was a cluster of commercial printers all around us. It was simply that there were two uh, very bright people who came at the problem of information in the commercial printing industry from different places, uh, found some automated solutions, and then uh, we're able to put together the teams to create a product that's scaled all across the world. And we see examples of that all across the, the country. Uh, and there is now increasing pressure to have tech jobs uh, you know, come back to the, the U.S. or come back near where uh, the companies were founded, uh, particularly since for the last uh, decade or so, uh, tech companies have been looking to Eastern Europe. Uh, to be able to outsource their uh, software and coding jobs. Uh, and that's, be, that's now seen as not a great option given the geopolitical trends in those regions. Terrific. And Matt, you mentioned in there um, some of the attributes that would make for a successful innovation hub, like co-working space, and there's going to be um, some different amenities close to ho hopefully a higher education institution. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like what kind of, where would some of these innovators live and what would life be like at an innovation hub? We sometimes joke at the Center on Rural Innovation that the real core to rural economic development are the three Bs, uh, which are broadband blues and beer. <laughs> and uh, and there, there's actually something to that because you want to be able to create a place and a space that people uh, want to be, where they can be creative, uh, where they can have accidental collisions with other people who are uh, thinking creatively and entrepreneurially. Uh, and that, that takes uh, creating that kind of uh, community and, and ecosystem. Uh, so we actually have uh, among the things that we have uh, mapped uh, for the country on assets, we've looked at microbreweries uh, and we've looked at historic downtowns uh, and, and other kinds of things that we think are 
leading indicators of there being that kind of ecosystem present. Um, and so you, you and, and we also see that in rural places that have taken the second, third and fourth floor of their beautiful historic downtowns and turned them into loft apartments uh, with, you know, good coffee on the bottom floor and uh, and co-work space and, and spaces for artists to do good work. Uh, you see the same kind of activity just on a smaller scale than you see in urban places. Uh, and so we actually see uh, a, a, a rural urbanism, if you will, uh, a way of redeveloping those core downtowns into vibrant places of culture. Tech. I, I, I like that term rural urbanism. So I guess this is also where partnerships are key because most communities are going to find if they want to develop into this kind of innovation hub that they don't have all those ingredients right now. So I think people and organizations maybe have to come together to figure out how as a group and maybe with outside supporters too, they're going to make that happen. The community that I come from in rural Nova Scotia, um, we've tried before to get uh, young people to move in for some jobs there. And it is a challenge sometimes when uh, young people see that there's not that much of a nightlife, for example. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the partnerships that you think have to happen to make this happen? Sure. So you've, you've got to have public-private partnerships and community-related partnerships. You need, uh, you, because you don't want to be holding the whole thing on your shoulders. And the, you know, our work at the Center on Rural Innovation is uh, capacity building. Uh, so we come and we help nonprofit organizations uh, in communities to be able to build out entrepreneurship centers, uh, computer science, education for both uh, you know, kids in the secondary schools as well as adults, uh, and then also these uh, intentional remote work uh, communities to be able to create uh, jobs in the, in the immediate time uh, for uh, companies that may be based in tech centers but just need talent. Um, so you need partnerships with institutions of higher education uh, on the entrepreneurship side. You need partnerships with uh, employers in the tech space to, uh, to, to be able to have remote workers in a uh, single location who might be working for different uh, companies. Uh, and you want to build the pipeline uh, with ensuring that young people are learning uh, the kind of computer science skills while they can also see people in their hometown being able to make a living and, and thrive uh, using those same skills. Um, the other the cr critical piece is that one of these innovation hubs on its own is not likely to succeed. And the reason is that there is not enough deal flow uh, through an entrepreneurship center in a small town of 10 or 20,000 people to attract the interest of major venture capitalists and investors. Uh, but if you create a network of 10, 15, 20 of these across geography, and you can create a virtual pool of startups, and at that point you have a critical mass that you can get the interest of investors because they will believe that out of a hundred startups, there might be the two that fit their uh, profile uh, and have the chance of succeeding. Same with talent. Uh, we, we are looking at, at aggregating uh, remote work 
capacity in rural places uh, so that when we go to employers, uh, we're able to scale up for them uh, by finding, you know, four people in this community, two in this other community, and one possibly in a third. So we believe that kind of collaboration is necessary across small communities in order for this to be successful as well. And when you talk about some of the um, tech firms having interest in this, I know you have connections in Silicon Valley, and I think the center there now has some uh, partnerships. Do you see that uh, there's ample interest in Silicon Valley leaders right now in these kinds of models? And is it something that, uh, or is it something that really has to grow? Well, I think the answer is both. Uh, I think there is real interest. I think there is uh, an absolute awareness that there is a shortage of talent uh, in the traditional tech centers, and that the you know cost of housing is absurd. Uh, so they understand that they have to find that talent elsewhere if they're going to be able to succeed. Uh, and the same with startups. Uh, you know, there's a lot of money that folks are looking to deploy, uh, and if they're only looking in the same you know uh, 50 square miles, they're not going to be able to. Uh, you know, meet the demands of their I- investors. So we we believe that there is real interest in this. I think there is a growing uh, understanding that there is a an, an opportunity, uh, but they need to understand how to navigate rural. Because uh, when we use the term rural, we're talking about a huge swath of the country, everything from, uh, you know, a, a county that, uh, might have a total of 57 people in it uh, to a former uh, industrial uh, place uh, that have you know 30 or 40,000 people in it. So there's there's a wide range there, and the strategies for engaging those parts of the country are going to be different. Um, and that's why we we spent the time that we did creating uh, the rural opportunity map uh, that you can find on our website, which is ruralinnovation.us. Uh, and it, it digs into the kinds of assets that are present in rural places that we believe are necessary, at least for the first round of rural communities that can thrive in uh, the digital economy. Matt, I think I read on your website that you do have a pilot project underway. Is that still the case or is that pilot project uh, wrapped up? Oh, no, we're, we, it is still very much underway. Uh, it's in a community uh, named Springfield, Vermont. Uh, it's a town that uh, at one point had the highest per capita income in the state of Vermont based on machine tool and, and then machine tool left and the community uh, went into a tailspin. Um, but the uh, but the town of Springfield has some uh, core assets. It's actually uh, only three and a half hours from New York City and two hours from Boston. It's right near the interstate. It has beautiful, beautiful uh, mill buildings and housing stock from its more prosperous days. Uh, And the local telephone company uh, built uh, fiber to the home gigabit connectivity for every resident. And it's the least expensive uh, fiber to the home connection uh, in the country. So So we have been working to stand up the Black River Innovation Campus over the last year and a half. Uh, we have raised the resources we need to get it launched. Uh, we are currently in the process of recruiting uh, an executive director to run the entrepreneurship center and the co-work space. 
uh, and we have a partnership with a uh, West Coast company uh, to be the, the pilot for remote workers. Uh, and we've also launched a computer science initiative uh, in the local public school. So all of the elements uh, that we have been talking about, we're pulling together in Springfield, Vermont. What's been uh, exciting is that as we've been doing this and, and talking about the issue, we've been discovering communities all across the country that are in a similar stage of realizing that the future of their community has to impart, connect to the digital economy. Uh, and some of them are further ahead than we are uh, in Springfield, but they're looking to be a part of a larger network. Uh, and so we're holding uh, some video conference conversations with those communities uh, over the next uh, week. And we are exciting that we already have over 100 communities uh, who have signed up. Wow. So some of these uh, innovation hubs can be just or, uh, developing organically, and then some of them will be helped by organizations like uh, the Center on Rural Innovation. Exactly. When the pilot runs its course, I, I take yep. it you're hoping to have some learnings from that that you can really oh. share far and wide to rural yep. communities. Yeah. No, and we've, we already have had learnings from our pilot, even though it's not... <laughs> up and functional yet. Uh, and that's about how do you position this? How do you create the kinds of partnerships? Uh, and where are the sources of funding uh, to be able to support these kinds of initiatives? Uh, because that's as big a challenge as anything, especially in communities that are struggling economically. Uh, so we've, we've found that uh, there are some national foundations like the Kaufman Foundation uh, and the Siegel uh, Family Endowment that are really keen on bringing uh, digital economy jobs and entrepreneurship to rural places to close the opportunity gap. Uh, we've also found that there is federal funding that most rural places uh, haven't applied for, at least in a long time, uh, that are eligible uh, for this kind of a project, and we've been successful in securing those uh, as well. So that by itself, uh, that capacity building has created uh, some learnings that we are sharing with other communities because we believe it's, uh, it's not a competitive environment in this uh, area. It's an area where we want to make sure that as many communities are succeeding as possible to change the narrative uh, and hopefully to become part of this larger network. Um, we will be, as we roll out our pilot, be sharing our learnings as well about you know, what works and, and what doesn't uh, as we uh, build a new model. And as from your experiences so far, uh, if we're talking to communities that are just kind of getting started and organizing these kinds of efforts, are there some pitfalls that you would already highlight that you want to avoid to make sure you're getting on the right track? You want to make sure that you've got uh, strong support from across the community. Uh, you know, small communities uh, are interconnected and you can't just be a representative from an institution of higher education or just be the economic development person from uh, the from the uh, municipal government or be a single city councilor uh, going off on your own. You need to have you know widespread commitment. Uh, you also need to make sure that you're approaching this as an ecosystem play. Uh, one of the classic things that's happened in uh, small communities across the country is that they've gotten uh, to understand that they have to have uh, a digital economy. They've put their limited resources uh, into computer science training 
by itself. Uh, and then what happens is they do a great job. The rural folks, uh, as you know, always uh, exceed expectations. Uh, and then they move and the community right. left uh, in a worse place than when they started. So you've got to do the entrepreneurship while you're doing the skill building, while you're doing the remote work, uh, all at the same time so that you can create a sustainable flywheel so that when one of the uh, tech startups actually takes off, uh, there is a workforce for them to be able to tap into. Uh, you need to make sure that when you're doing the computer science training, uh, you've got jobs for them to go into in a co-work space uh, that's near home, ideally in the same building as where a loft apartment uh, would be available uh, so that they can be connecting with other people. Uh, and and perhaps uh, after a couple of year, years, realize that they and a person who may be working for another company have come up with a better way to solve a problem. And then they go into the entrepreneurship center. But you need to create that uh, whole ecosystem rather than thinking just addressing one element is going to solve the problem. Right. So having the right partners at the table early on to spend some time on planning is uh, crucial to, to the yep. success. Um, Matt, when you look ahead to the next five years, wh what do you hope uh, the Center on Rural Innovation has achieved and is doing at that point? So my hope is that we will have... Uh, facilitated uh, the creation of, uh, you know, another 20 or 30 of these kinds of uh, innovation hubs in rural places. And frankly, that another 30 or 40 of them will have taken off without us having anything to do with it, but just because we've helped to change the narrative about what can happen in uh, small towns uh, and that the in investors and the uh, tech leadership uh, will be looking to those kinds of communities for the new innovative companies as well as for the extraordinary tech talent. Uh, and if we've done our job right, we've created a system uh, for those different communities, even if they are uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles apart, uh, to be able to be part of a network where they share best practices as well as can create a, uh, you know, a virtual pool of talent and, uh, and tech companies uh, to interest the larger employers and the investors. Um, this is you know, a, a long tradition uh, in, in rural uh, America uh, where people have had to actually band together across geographies to learn from one another. And I, I think um, we're, we're poised to do it. We just need to be intentional about it. I understand that you have the um, uh, great uh, experience of still living now on the 100-acre farm where you were born and raised. Um, you've been a rural person all your life, but why is this your, your passion? Well, I, I've, I've always been uh, interested in this issue of creating uh, economic opportunity uh, in rural places because I think for, for many people, uh, they would much rather live in a place where they are uh, connected on a regular basis uh, to the natural environment, whether that's uh, wanting to spend time on your, on your tractor or on a ski slope uh, or in a beautiful lake without having to, uh, you know, go, <laughs> fight traffic and, and feel, you know, four inches shorter by the time you get to uh, that kind of a place. Uh, and, it, and it should be able to happen. Um, but the real uh, motivator for me right now to, uh, you know, drop everything and take on this issue 
uh, is the divide that we're seeing in our country and, and frankly in other parts of the world as well, uh, where uh, rural communities are being are, are feeling uh, left behind. Uh, there is resentment that has grown out of that uh, feeling. Uh, and the uh, results are, uh, are, are damaging in a wide variety of ways. Um, and so having uh, watched that division uh, emerge while I've had you know, a foot in both worlds, uh, I, I felt it was important to bring together a, a group of people, like the incredible team that uh, has come together here at the Center on Rural Innovation, uh, to be able to play at least a small part in solving to bridge that divide. Thanks, Matt. And I have to put you on the spot with a question about Canada now. Um, being a lifelong resident of Vermont, you do probably have some familiarity with our country. I'm just wondering if you see any particular advantages or opportunities um, that we would have here in Canada when it comes to really fueling rural innovation and rural development. Well, as, as someone who, who grows, grew up and lives in Vermont, we've always joked that it would be the... Uh, Easiest annexation ever, if Canada decided to take it over. Uh, and and but I I do think there is uh, real opportunity in Canada, and and here's why. Uh, I I think Canada has always been more proactive at creating uh, distributed opportunity uh, throughout the country, uh, including making sure that uh, that dairy farmers are compensated for their important work. Uh, ensuring that uh, cultural institutions are supported, uh, not just in your city centers, but uh, across the uh, entirety of, of your very, very large country. Uh, and I think the same can be true uh, if, if Canada takes uh, a similar approach to ensuring that, that broadband, which is really the electricity of our time, is uh, distributed across uh, rural Canada. Uh, and is willing to step up and, and do the uh, community-based uh, investment uh, to ensure that the kinds of places and spaces where digital economy jobs can thrive uh, can be located in your in your smaller communities. So uh, I, I I feel like uh, there is a great precedent uh, in in Canada and its approach uh, to these kinds of issues uh, to take a leading role and look forward to seeing that unfold. Thanks very much, Matt. And uh, we're really grateful to you for taking some time to share your insights with us today. I think you've given us some great uh, food for thought on the Center on Rural Innovation model. We'll be pleased to share it with our readers and uh, listeners. And uh, I think you mentioned folks can find out more at uh, ruralinnovation.us or have the links on our Facebook page. And I hope we can get back to, get you back on our program again later, Matt, to see how things are going with the Center and hopefully share some of these success stories from Canada with you. Sounds great. And thank you for covering this important subject. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone for being with us this week at Rural Spark. We hope you'll come back again for our next episode and another deep dive on rural innovation in Canada. In the meantime, please remember that we welcome your ideas and feedback. Please check out our Facebook page at Rural Spark to get in touch. And on behalf of the team here at Rural Spark, we hope you all have a terrific week in your part of rural Canada.